I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices. My guest today is an actor and comedian who has appeared in film, TV, and stage roles. She played the new Fiona character on season seven of Showtime's Shameless. She performs at some of LA's most popular comedy clubs, and when she's not performing, she's coaching and teaching young actors and comics. She's here to chat with me about her life, the entertainment business, and maybe we can get a little insight from her about that strike. Mary Kennedy, welcome to SoCal Voices. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. That's great to have you. Let's start with when and how you discovered that you had the ability to give people the giggles. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I actually was an altar server uh, for the Catholic Church. Uh, My mom was a church organist. And so I would crack jokes on the altar when we were in communion. So that's when I kind of realized I had the gift. I don't know. I don't know if the priest enjoyed that, but I did. I kept them rolling in the aisles, as they say. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm Irish. I, you know, my family's very funny. We use comedy even in tragedy. So it's been an interesting ride. But that was the first time that I actually made the other altar servers laugh. And I knew that I probably had a future. Oh, man, that's incredible. I love that. So so you you started there. And then did you start getting just like local gigs? Um, how did you pursue uh, your, your 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 craft? Well, I went to Emerson College in Boston, and I was an acting major. And my dad made me get a theater ed degree, which I'm so grateful for, because I do teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after college, I got an internship at Juilliard as a stage manager. So I was doing behind the scenes. And then after I worked at Juilliard, I got a job at Equity representing actors, Broadway actors on TV and film contracts. And so at that point in my career, I couldn't be an actor. I could, it was a conflict Mm -hmm. of interest. And so Mm -hmm. I was dating a guy at the time who said, you know, you're really funny. You should start stand-up comedy. So I took a stand-up comedy class and my first show was at Stand Up New York. And I was discovered by a producer, Tommy Savitt, and he took me down to New York Comedy Club and the rest is history. Wow. What what do you like most about stand-up? What I like most about stand-up, I believe, is really connecting and have a conversation with the audience and, you know, changing people's viewpoint and making them laugh. I think more than ever now, we need laughter. And so that's my favorite part. And I also... Uh, Cause I'm a woman of, uh, you know, of middle age and uh, you know, I talk a lot about midlife stuff that we don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. And so when a group of women comes up to me and says, Oh my gosh, I had a night out away from my kids away from my, you know, problems. And you made me laugh. Like that's, that's, I mean, it used to be payment enough, but I have a daughter going to college. So uh, it's not, it's the, it's not payment enough just for the laughter. <laughs> But, you know, I really enjoy it. I mean, there's nothing like being on stage and hearing laughter. It's so great. Yeah. What's what surprised you the most about uh, stand up? Just just that whole concept of being in front of people and and the kind of sensitive topics that you talk about. What what struck you? What really got your attention? You know that you can go anywhere in the country, actually, no matter the political sort of framework of, of it. And funny is funny. And so I feel like it's a great, it's a great non-divider, you know, it's a way for people to sort of reach across the aisle to one another because we've all had these experiences. And if we are connecting through laughter, it it helps. It's sort of a nice common ground. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've been surprised about that, you know, I can find a mother anywhere 
in the country that has probably been through what I've been through and we can laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. You know, performers um, often talk about the adrenaline rush of performing in front of a live audience. And you did just mention about that connection that you get. I want you to talk a little bit more about the difference in the energy that you feel when you are performing in front of a group of people, as opposed to doing a film or a television show where there is no live audience and, and the interaction is, is different in that way. How, how does that affect what you bring and the way you approach your work? Well, for instance, being on Shameless, which was, I would say, my biggest gig to date mm-hmm. on television, you know, you're there to be true to your character, but also to make sure that the director, the producer, the actors with you, we're all getting that shot. So we're not on set for 10 days, right? We, we actually, I have to get it in a certain amount of time. So my audience for that is a small audience. So if, you know, Emmy Rossum directed me in an episode and I, she gave me a redirect on a line and I hit it. I hit the line correctly and she gave me a big thumbs up from the village. And I was like, that felt amazing. Like that was like, I wanted to run around the lot and go, woohoo, I did it. Um, the difference when I'm doing stand up is I have to hit 200 people or even a thousand people with my work. So it's a larger audience that I have to appeal to. Um, and it's, you know, it's a little bit more intimate when I'm on television or film. It's much more, for me it's still a conversation but it's a much smaller time and space that i have to get my talent out there and what's really uncomfortable on camera and i am happy to say i haven't had this but i have i coach actors who told me about this when they're on camera and they're not getting the take that they have to that's really scary and so it's almost like when you're on set when you're on doing a a stand-up and your joke isn't hitting i mean i'm sure it's kind of the same feeling but it's two different mediums. You know, I would love to be on a set every day and I would love doing comedy every day. So it just depends on who's paying me that day. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, that's great. Talk a little bit more about the experience you had uh, on Shameless. Such an incredible show, an incredible cast, uh, an irreverent topic, subject matter. Um, what was that like every day going in and, and working on that program? Well, it was it was so crazy because basically I auditioned on a Tuesday, got the call on a Wednesday that I booked the job and it was a recurring and I was on set on a Thursday. So all the same week. So I really didn't have a time to I, I just had to get to work. And then I was on set that summer for six weeks, two weeks in Chicago. So, you know, Thursday at 5 a.m. I'm in the chair next to William H. Macy you know, getting my makeup done. And, you know, he put his hand, I always tell the story, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, welcome to the shameless family. It was, I had to bring my game up to the highest level. Not that I hadn't before, but I had to, I was the new family. I was, he, he basically adopted a homeless family. So I was his new family and I was the new Fiona. I looked nothing like Emmy Rossum. And so I was the new family. So we had to really come up to the plate, like, you know, I mean, it was really interesting. And the first line I had uh, with Emmy was, I wasn't very nice to her the first time I talked to the real Fiona. So it was a, it was big shoes to fill, but he made me feel so welcome. And, you know, I got to, I worked with everybody on that cast practically. So yeah. it was great. I mean, it was, it was a amazing job. <laughs> 
sounds like it would have been a lot of fun. Do you feel like you, you picked up, um, some new insights about the people that you worked with. I mean, sometimes you come into a situation, you've got a cast and you've got your own preconceived notion about how this person is and how that person is, uh, even the way they approach their work. Uh, did Were expectations met in that regard or did you pick up some new stuff while you were working? All the expectations were met. Um, and I think I became a better actor when I worked with William H. Macy because he literally in one script, he's got lines, the whole script. And so to watch him work and to watch him, you know, be in our holding area and, you know, running lines with us and talking about his time in Chicago theater. And, you know, he did say to me, which was really cool as he goes, you know, Mary, you're one job away from getting an Emmy or you're one job away from getting an Oscar. And I just, it was just kind of fun. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, you know, and I was on set when he was nominated for his Emmy. So that was kind of cool to like, you know, he started in theater. I started in theater. And so, and he's a dad and I'm a mom and we, you know, we connected on sort of everyday things. And, uh, but I'm telling you, there was one scene where we were, we shot in Chicago. It was, I was sort of the leader of the homeless, homeless people. And he was in front of the place that we were squatting and he had this big speech and I was like, maybe a foot away from him. Mm-hmm. And I just felt all of his acting training, like right in front of me. And I was like, I, I kind of had to pinch myself. I was like, here I am filming with William H. Macy. And I just, I felt, I felt like instantaneously I became a better actor. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I got to work with him on a lot of scenes, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. it was great. It, mm-hmm. I, I can't say more about it. And how quickly television works too. Like, mm. I really had to have all the levels of my character in place before I hit the stage or the the deck, so to speak, because mm-hmm. that's why they hired me. They, they the director said to me, uh, Ian McDonald, great director, Um, He said to me, the minute you walked into the audition, I knew it was you. Hmm. That is fabulous. What an adrenaline rush and what a wonderful opportunity um, to to do that. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I want to get into uh, some of the work that you do with young people. Uh, Mm -hmm. You are a coach and teacher of young comics and and actors. I want to talk a little bit about why that is important for you to do and what you are, are, are getting uh, in return, um, working with young minds and, and seeing them, seeing those, those, uh, switches being flipped and them getting it, you know, what, what is, what's driving you to do it? And, and what, what is it bringing to you? Well, early on in Los Angeles, I got into Los Angeles in 2000 Mm -hmm. and I had a typical kind of corporate job. I went into special events. I worked with many colleges and then I got married and I decided, you know what, I probably am going to have kids at some point. So I needed a job that was going to be flexible. And at that point, I was getting more jobs as an actor. So I created Youth Acting Biz. Well, it was Youth Acting Program. And then I I had a partner at that point. We talked together. And then we became Youth Acting Biz. And we've been in residence in North Hollywood, I would say, for the last close to 20 years. And I had a theater ed degree from Emerson. And during that time, I also got my sub-credential at LAUSD. So the reason why I started youth acting biz was to have more flexibility, but it's really morphed into something where with my training as a teacher for LUSD and my training at Emerson, I create ed plans for my actors, 
you know, either it's a very individualized process. We do have a lot of kids that come in with autism or some learning difference. And what's really interesting, and I've said this many times, is that when they're acting or doing improv or singing, that learning difference disappears. And my son has autism. And so it was it was kind of wild when I started this company and then my son got diagnosed with autism. And now my son plays drums, he's 15, and all of his autism goes away when he's playing drums. It's amazing. We are coaching the showbiz kids, so to speak. I mean, you know, I have some kids on series. I have kids who've gone to network for Disney. You know, I have my first client was Steve in the Universe, Zach Callison. Um, so, you know, I have working actors, but I also am of service to those kids who just want to be heard and, and be seen and be able to really be free for whatever that time that is with me. We just did a stand-up comedy workshop at the Loft Ensemble and to watch these kids do jokes and just for all of them to be on the same plane and socialize with each other. I mean, it creates a social component for kids that have learning differences. Social being social is hard. My son was so social. He was sort of the team leader with everybody. Come on. Um, and all of these games, uh, Viola Spolin is somebody who I studied. She really was an incredible teacher on how to teach everybody. And then I have an adult program called the biz studio. And so, you know, it's, it's really fortifying. I am just as filled up teaching as I am when I'm on stage or in front of camera. Oh, that's marvelous. What a wonderful mission. And uh, you are really making a positive difference in these folks' lives. That's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic uh, thing for you to be doing. I wonder, Mary, if you could uh, share a little bit about your thoughts on what's happening uh, with the entertainment industry strike right now. At the time that we are recording this podcast, uh, SAG-AFTRA and WGA are on strike. They are on the picket line and they are dealing with uh, issues related to working conditions and compensation and all the things that so many other people deal with in their various industries. Where do you think this is going? And are, are you are you optimistic about a, a positive resolution? It's interesting. So I, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to start with the fact that I worked for equity back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I was in the TV and film department. And that was during the time and I've been on negotiating tables. Um, that was the time when you know, we were negotiating with SAG and AFTRA because I was the one that would cut the contract so actors could be seen on B-roll for commercials and things like that for their musicals, right? And during that time, we had Debbie Gibson that I was representing. I was representing the cast of Ragtime, who were stars, Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh, I was representing the cast of Lion King, you know. So there were some star names. And what was interesting and what I learned is that stars can really negotiate their own terms. And if they're in a right to work state, they don't really have to work union. So mm-hmm. here's mm-hmm. where I'm optimistic. And some people might disagree with me, but this is what I learned directly from working in at Equity. Here's what's interesting. We have a lot of stars on the line. That's really good for us. It's good as a PR moment. It's also good because you know they're they're actually working for the middle class actor. The union is for the middle class actor. It's not stars. A lot of the stars don't don't take their health benefits. A lot of the stars, you know, um, unfortunately, we're in a situation now where I think we all knew AI was coming, but we didn't know how to address it. And now we're at the point where it's it's for lack of a better term, do or die. 
Mm-hmm. And so where I am and I and I'm on some strike feeds and I kind of talk about it. I don't know if we're going to win on AI. I'm going to be honest to everybody. I really don't. This could be a bad, you know, people could be like, really? I think we're better almost going in on the streaming part and getting what we want streaming wise and put in a clause like DGA did saying that if you are going to use AI every step of the way, you need to talk to us in order to get it approved. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of on an honor system. And are they going to come to us every step of the way? So as actors, we need to be diligent. I'm so grateful for that job at Equity because I look at all my contracts. I know what's going on. You know, I think we need to be diligent on exactly where we're going. As a stand-up comic, my intellectual property is my intellectual property. We know, like Mary said this joke, you know, I have a timeline for it. I have tape on it. The problem mm-hmm. when we have a script and we do a job that's in the hands of the director and the producer at the end of the day and we've signed away that right but we've not signed away our ai as of yet so Mm -hmm. i think i think as actors and i just want to say this last thing i think as actors a lot of the actors are not happy with this interim agreement the interim agreements are to keep us working and to keep those independent producers that want sag actors and you know I've produced movies. It's really hard to get everything together and then to get the rug ripped from underneath us when we're not making the money like the big guys. Interim agreements help us keep working. You know, there are a lot of SAG actors that don't think we should be doing anything at this point. Yeah, it's a very tough situation. Wow. I'm pro actor, but I'm also actors know your business because too many times we sign our life away and then we wonder. And, you know, it's, it's very gray right now. But good news, and I just heard this on KNX, that apparently the writers and the producers are in talks about going into talks. <laughs> so if that, <laughs> if that's, you know, I, I mean, but I think now is the time to do it. If we don't do it now, when are we going to do it? Yeah, absolutely. And like, and as you mentioned with the AI and, and any kind of new technology that's coming in, it forces everyone to move expeditiously because this technology is developed almost faster than we can blink. And then to the extent that it takes over or uh, starts to creep in on things that only humans used to do, there's going to be some impact and, and you do have to move quick. Well, I, I appreciate your your thoughts and insight on that and, and just hoping that everything works out for the best for everyone. People need to be able to make a living. People need to be able to look at agreements and understand what they're signing and they need to be fair. And hopefully there can be uh, some meetings of, uh, of the minds there. And I have to say that SAG has really thought thoroughly about the AI. So that's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the people behind the scenes are working really hard. And, and just one last thing, I just saw Barbie this weekend. I'm not getting paid from Barbie to promote it, but I did see Barbie this weekend. And if you watch Barbie, especially uh-huh. the monologue that America, America did, you mm-hmm. know, her best friends, no kidding. Um, <laughs> if you listen to that monologue, you know, you have to have actors that do that. You couldn't have an AI do that. No, absolutely. So I, I, think, I think we can all be in agreement about that. Right, producers? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good message. Good message. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes a human actually has to do the work. Hello. Yeah. yeah, that's important. So let's presume that everything gets worked out and we have good reason to be optimistic as we go forward. What are you most interested in doing project-wise? Maybe something you haven't done yet or something you want to do more of or some type of collaboration. What's on your wish list for future projects, Mary? Well, I'm working on my one woman show, Midlife Mood Swing, which we're going on tour with that. 
I would love for that someday to to maybe be a sitcom or a, or a one camera funny program. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that I'd really like to do. I would also sort of on my bucket list is I would really like to do that off Broadway or Broadway. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm putting in the universe right now. And lucky for me, you know, I can do that work. <laughs> so, you know, I go on tour at the end of the month to Massachusetts to off Cabot. So I'm doing that show there and then I'm off to Colorado. So, yeah, I mean, those those are my my short term and to get my daughter in college and and get that moving. That's another piece <laughs> just nothing to do with my career. But no, but that's important, too. Yeah, that's yeah. important, too. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, something tells me that you will get that done, that uh, she's got a good role model and that's going to happen. That's for sure. Talk about where folks can find you online and on social. Sure. So my social media is M Kennedy comedy everywhere and anywhere. And you guys can always go to maryekennedy.com. Uh, if you want information about the biz studio or youth acting biz, it's the biz, T H E B I Z studio.us. Mary, wonderful to spend time with you. Thanks so much uh, for Me your too. insight and for your sharing. Uh, really uh, enjoy your work and wish you all the best in the years to come. Thank you so much. It was so great working with you and hearing you, and I'm excited. So thank you. Sure, you're welcome. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. Show your support with a financial contribution. Visit SoCalVoices.com slash support. For information about sponsoring SoCal Voices episodes, send an email to contact us at SoCalVoices.com.